had to Nicaragua and the Philippines and the upcoming one to June, it, it had my mind thinking, what are these brothers doing while they're over there? And a big part of what they're doing is they're teaching ministers. They're teaching men of God to be men of God. So that those men can then in turn teach the people in those nations. One of the things that they're teaching them is what kind of character they are to have, how they are to see themselves before God, how they are to treat God's Word. And I think that Paul gives an excellent example of what these ministers should be. It's not in, uh, it's not in the book of... In the uh, book of 1 Timothy, as we often read, that I want to go to, but I want to go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And we'll read that here in just a moment. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now, prior to this chapter, in chapter 3, Paul is telling them what a glorious thing it is to be a minister of God. What an awesome calling it is to be a minister of the New Testament for the glory of the Lord. And he's building up what it is to be a minister. But then he goes into chapter 4 and he wants to clarify something to the people. So let's read here verses 1 through 7. Paul says, Therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined into our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I see three things in what Paul is telling the people at the church at Corinth. That the man of God should be. But it's not just for the man of God to be. It should be you also. All of us as Christians. We are to be fully His. And that's the title, fully His. But the his, there's three aspects to it. There's the H, the I, and the S. H stands for humility. We must have complete humility before God. I stands for integrity. You must have integrity in the word of God, preaching only God's word. And the S is to have submission to the will of God in your life. So to be fully his, humble, Integrity, submission. Now I hate to say it and it saddens me that all too often in the pulpits of America we don't see any of those three. We don't see humility. We see men lifting themselves up, boasting of themselves, making much of themselves. We don't see integrity in preaching the word of God. 
man has their own message that they want to preach that is not in line with the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not popular to a dark world, to a blind world. They don't want to hear it. We see men who are not submissive to God's calling in their life, but rather are trying to build themselves up to be their own masters. In short, they're doing exactly what Paul told Timothy would happen. That the people would get itching ears. They would want to hear their own gospel. And men who are supposed to be men of God, preaching the truth of God, being humble before God, are scratching the itch. They're preaching what the sinners want to hear. Because people go to church now and they want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel that they're not that bad of a sinner. That they really don't need a master. That they are their own man. I submit to no one. And we hear that from the pulpits. I pray and I hope that you do not ever hear that from these pulpits in this church. And Brother Timothy and Brother Zach as they preach in Nicaragua, the Pitneys in Africa... The work that's going on in the Philippines. The work that's going on in India with Brother Guna. That each of those men is fully his. And that they're teaching the ministers in those countries to be fully his. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5. In the first point, humility before God, he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves... Your servants, for Jesus' sake. One of the first things I notice about this is Paul does not say, for I preach not. He says, for we preach not. Paul is not elevating himself amongst the men that he is with. Could he have? Yeah, Paul was a great apostle. He was a special apostle called by God. He was a great teacher. But still, he did not see himself as anything but a servant for God's people, along with the brothers that he was with. And he tells us in this verse, we preach not ourselves. You know, it's not us. It's not the men in the pulpit. It's not the men teaching. It's not because of us. We didn't create this good news. We didn't come up with a great idea to transform your life. We don't have some special wisdom that you don't have. We don't have some special knowledge that you do not have. It's not because of us. We didn't cause this. It is of God. We preach not ourselves. We preach one thing. Jesus Christ the Lord. That is the true message of the gospel that all points back to Jesus Christ as Paul says in Galatians, God forbid that I would glory in anything or boast in anything except for the cross of Christ my God. That is our message. That is what we are to preach. To you is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for your sins. That's the message of the gospel. It's not the seven points of how to be happy it's not all the creative titles that we could come up with or all the self-help books. It is about Jesus Christ. Because there is no self-help without Jesus Christ. 
There is no seven steps to happiness without Jesus Christ. The gospel message is Him and Him alone. And that is what these brothers are preaching. It's not us. Not by us. Not because of us. And it's not for us. It's not for for us to gain a glory. Us to gain a status. And he shows that by saying, because we are nothing but a servant. We are serving the tables in God's house. That is our role. To serve the good food of the gospel to you. Ministers must be feeding you good and healthy food. And they cannot do that if they themselves are first not eating of that food. We must feed ourselves. We have to be spiritually healthy so that we can lay before you a feast from God that is beneficial to your soul. But we are just a servant. Their business, Paul says, and it's our business as ministers, is not to make ourselves known, but is to make the Master known to the world that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Promised One. He is the Son of God. He's the only Savior for mankind. He's the rightful Lord of all. And everything we do from the pulpit should be for His glory and His honor alone. In spite of all of Paul's greatness, he was an humble, humble man. In my mind, Paul was one of, if not the greatest Christian that you can see in the New Testament from his walk, from his example. But he didn't strut around. He didn't say, yes, I am Paul, the writer of half of the New Testament. I wrote Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. I wrote a lot. I know a lot. I'm a knowledgeable man. I'm a special called out apostle. Could Paul have said that and been right? Yes, absolutely he could have. He was all of those things. He was a great man of God. But Paul did not see himself as great. He saw himself as a servant of God's kingdom. Here's what Paul says about himself. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9 he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Paul does not see himself as something special. He sees himself as blessed by God to be allowed to serve the tables of the church. He sees the mercy of God poured out upon him to be allowed to be a messenger of God's truth. Ephesians 3 verse 8. Paul again speaking of himself. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. I'm the bottom of the bottom of all the called out people and God has given me grace and mercy to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's all about Christ in Paul's mind. And then when he's writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful saying, worthy of all exception, 
that Christ Jesus came into world into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This the apostle who wrote half of the New Testament, who wrote all of these glorious letters, who walked an awesome life, who suffered tremendous persecution, sees himself as nothing before Christ because he is completely humble before God. Paul is not preaching himself. He's not lifting himself up. He doesn't want the church to be about him. He doesn't want to be the pastor of this church where people just flock to it just because it's Paul. He wants them to go to church to hear Jesus Christ and Him crucified no matter who that messenger is. Whether it's Paul or Silas or Barnabas or Timothy or Titus. He wants it to be about Jesus and not about Him. He is completely humble before God because you know what Paul saw himself as? A wretched, vile sinner who is simply saved by the grace of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the Christian is not a good man. He's a vile wretch who has been saved by the grace of God. That's all we are. We're not up here preaching because we're good. God didn't look down and say, Titus is a great man. I must call him to preach for his goodness. He said, you're a vile wretch. You need me, Titus, in your life. You need my calling to open your darkened, veiled eyes. And when I have opened your eyes, then I will call you and you will speak my message, not yours. We are nothing but vile, wretched creatures who just as all need a Savior. And that is Paul's point here. I am nothing, but He is everything. I am weak, but He is strong. I am small, and He is everywhere. That is the Christ we preach. That is the message we preach. It is not of us. Humility means that you're simply aware that you are unworthy. And we must all, not just the preacher in the pulpit, every one of us must be aware that we are unworthy. We whom are the least, we are not worthy. We are not special. We are not good people. Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then, and only then are you worthy to be called heirs with Him. You know, it's, Paul was an educated man. He knew the Scripture. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel and learned. But Paul's saying, it's not my talents... It's not my theological education. It's not my great oratory skills. It's God's calling in us, working in us, and working through us. What does that mean? It goes all back to God, that we are nothing. It is simply Him and His work and His calling. Paul says, we preach not ourselves. I don't preach my own doctrine I don't preach my own philosophies. I don't preach my own theology. I preach Jesus Christ. 
It's He that is the Lord. And we are not lifted up, but we ourselves are merely servants for the sake of you through Jesus Christ. We are here to feed you. And you should be there to feed one another. And to feed yourself good food. Don't wait for Sunday morning to eat that good meal of the good news of Jesus Christ. You must feast upon it daily. You must read the Word. You must commune with God. You must feed yourself. And we as preachers must feed ourselves. So that when we come together there is a glorious feast upon the good news of who Jesus Christ is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 tells us that we're declaring a powerful word. But it's through the power of the Spirit, not us. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. But all of our sufficiency is where? Right back to God. It is Him in us. It's Him. Through the Spirit. We preach through the Spirit. Verse 3 of chapter 3 says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. It is the Spirit working in you and using the ministry of the gospel and the preaching of the word to call us to repentance, to call us to walk the straight and narrow, to call us back when we have strayed from the fold, to call us to be strong Christians. And that is what we are to do as ministers, to call you back to the word of God. It isn't the man himself standing in the stand. It's not the men themselves that are going overseas. It's not the men themselves that stand in this pulpit. It is all God. All. All capital. All bold. All underlined. All God as the sufficiency in declaring His Word. It is God that works. All of Him. All of Him. And in declaring that word that God has given, then we come to our second point. That it is not a message that we ourselves have thought of. It's not a message that we think is a better idea. We must have integrity to the word of God. It means preaching the word and the word only. Integrity to the word of God. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 2, he says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying we will stick to one thing and one thing only. God's word. The revealed word of God. There's no secrets. There's no hidden meanings. There's no craftiness or deceitfulness. We stand before you in good conscience, before God, declaring the word. Brothers and sisters, if you hear someone preaching something that is not in the word of God, 
that God has told them Himself, but no one else. Run! It's false. If God has given a man some secret thing that He's told no one else, it's false. It's not of God. He has given us His declared Word, and that is the Word that we preach. Nothing else. And we must stand in good conscience before you to preach nothing but the Word of God. No hidden things. That means private or secret. God's not telling us something new that no one else knows. He's not giving us some secret thing that no one else knows. The Most of the cults that are started is because some man said that God talked to him privately and gave him some new revelation. There is no new revelation. It is here. In the Word of God that God has protected for thousands of years. That men have died to protect. To get to you today to read. There is no secret meanings. There is no new meanings. There is no new revelation that's coming. It's here in God's Word. And that is the Word that must be preached. And that alone. We don't handle it deceitfully or dishonestly. With disgrace. It's not to be done in craftiness. That means cunningness or subtly. That's what we're seeing in the church. In so many churches today, this crafty, cunning way of twisting Scripture so that people don't see the evil. What do you hear about Satan? That he disguises himself as an angel of light? That's what false prophets are doing. They're taking God's Word. And they're not going to say, I'm going to take this Word and I'm scratching out all these verses here and I'm going to write new ones. They take this Word and they twist it. And they turn it. And they take it out of context. And they make it mean what the people want it to mean and what they want it to mean, not what God intended it to be. Because people's ears are itching. And people want to hear something better about themselves. I don't want to hear about my sin. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm evil. Give me hope. Give me encouragement that I can do this on my own. Brothers and sisters, you can't do this on your own. You are not good enough on your own. We need Jesus Christ. That's why it is only Him and Him crucified that we preached. Because without Him we are nothing but still that vile, wretched sinner who has not been saved by the grace of a mighty God. We don't do this deceitfully. That means to ensnare or corrupt. To set a trap. The Word of God is not to be twisted. To corrupt. To set traps. To stumble you. It is to show you the pathway of light. The word of God. As you heard this morning is to be a light and a lamp to your feet. To show you the straight and narrow path to safety. That's why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.13. He says, Timothy hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and in love, which are in Christ Jesus. Then he tells him again in, this, in, in the next chapter, two, verse 2, 
and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I didn't just wake up and know the scripture. You know what happened? I sat under Brother Mike. And I sat under my dad and I learned from them. As they learned from men who had learned from men, who had learned from men, who had all the way back to Timothy learning from Paul. It's a pattern of godly men teaching godly men the word of God. And that's what we see, praise God, happening right now in Nicaragua and in Africa. That godly men are carrying on the tradition of teaching faithful men to be faithful to the word of God. He says in the same chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, Study, be diligent, Timothy, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like a gangrene or a cancer. You know what babbling means? I had to look it up because I've always been interested in Is it just... Mumbo-jumbo, what is babbling? The Greek word is kenophonia. The base word of phony. Idle babbling. It's phony words. It's fake words. It's a fake gospel that leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to your happiness. It doesn't lead to your contentment on earth. It leads to your destruction. Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth. And preach that truth and that truth only. Back to our text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. He says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He's saying it's not some hidden message. If the people do not understand, if they do not respond to the gospel, if they do not love the gospel, it's because their eyes have been hidden by the power of darkness. And they reject the light. It's not that the ministers are speaking some hidden secret. It's that hearts are blinded and eyes are blinded because of the love of this world. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And our next point is submission to His calling. Let me say this. You cannot be submissive if you're not first humble. A proud man will never submit. You must be humble before God to be able to submit to God. Verses 6 and 7 of our text. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It is God, what we see in this text, it is God who does the awakening, not the man. It is God who expels the darkness, not my voice. Or else we would still dwell in it. If you're depending on the voice of Titus to expel the darkness, the darkness remains. But it is God who does so. 
It's God who gives the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as verses 6 and 7 tell us. It's God who called us through mercy to be His ministers. That's the first verse of this chapter, that it was God Himself. We have this ministry, and we have received it with mercy, and we faint not. But then verse 7. And this is how Paul views himself. The great Apostle Paul was willing to be whatever God needed him to be. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what that means? That we're just jars of clay. Just a simple jar of clay to hold water. Nondescript, not fancy, nothing expensive. Nothing valuable, a simple jar of clay. He's saying God has given us this ministry and we hold it in just earthen vessels. There's nothing significant about us. There was nothing significant about Paul as much as I admire him. He was an earthen vessel. You know what he's saying? That earthen vessel can be broken and busted up. And God will take another nondescript, plain Nothing of value, earthen vessel, and his message will be carried. It is the message, not the man. It's the message, not the messenger. We are just jars of clay that can easily be broken and easily be replaced. Paul is saying there's nothing, we're nothing to speak of. Nothing to be made much of. God could just as easily use another vessel. He could have picked someone else besides Paul if he'd wanted to. And Paul realized that. And he says, I will submit by being humble and I will submit to where God would have me to be because I know it's not me, Paul. I am just a vessel that God is using Paul submitted to God's will through his ministry in Acts chapter 16. The Spirit prevented him from doing what he really wanted to do, which was go to Asia and preach. And the Spirit prevented him. And Paul submitted to the will of God. And he went where God would have him go, not where Paul wanted to go. And you know, by submitting to God's leading in our life, this is what he gets to in the next verses. We're not going to go through those in verses 8 through the end of the chapter then we realize that we can be cast down but not destroyed when we submit to the will of God. Because you know when you go in your own will and it doesn't go your way, you start to get defeated. But when you are in the will of God and you are submitting to what He would have you do, and as a minister if you're submitting to where He would have you preach and what He would have you preach, then no matter what the trials come, no matter how hard you fall, you're not discouraged. He says that we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We're cast down, but we are not destroyed. And that's why Paul was able, in the next chapter, of chapter 5, he's able to say that I really want to be with Christ right now. That's my heart's desire. But whether I be present with Him or present with you, my one true heart's desire is to be submissive before God and be accepted by Him. He tells us that 
in uh, Acts chapter, uh, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's in, in verse 9. Whether we labor, that we, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. The man of God must be fully His. You, the church, must be fully His. Are you somebody out there that God is calling to the ministry? Are you fully humble before God? Will you have integrity to preach the word of God? Will you submit to God's calling of you? Or are you someone in this congregation who God is simply calling to use your gifts for His glory? To use your gifts that He has given you for His kingdom and this church? Then are you fully His? Are you humble before Him? Will you have integrity to the Word of God and will you submit to His calling? Or maybe you're someone who God is simply calling. Who God is calling out of darkness to light. Will you be submissive? Will you be His? Let's pray. Heavenly